Chapter Twenty Six of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Twenty Six, relating how the band of the Royal Irish Artillery played, and while the music was going on, how variously different people were moved twice a week the band of the royal irish artillery regaled all comers with their music on the parade ground by the river and as it was reputed the best in ireland and chapel is it was a fashionable resort and a very pretty village embowered in orchards people liked to drive out of town on a fine autumn day like this by way of listening and all the neighbours showed there and there was quite a little fair for an hour or two mervyn among the rest was there but for scarce ten minutes and as usual received little more than a distant salutation coldly and gravely returned from gertrude chatsworth to whom mr beauchamp whom she remembered at the stafford's dinner addicted himself a good deal that demigod appeared in a white surtout with a crimson cape a french waistcoat his hair en papillote a feather in his hat a couteau du chaise by his side with a small cane hanging to his button and a pair of italian greyhounds at his heels and he must have impressed tresham prodigiously for i observed no other instance in which he has noted down costume so carefully little puttock too was hovering near and his wooing made uncomfortable by aunt becky's renewed severity as well as by the splendour of mr redheels who was expending his small talk and florets upon gertrude clough moreover who was pretty well in favour of aunt rebecca and had been happy and prosperous had his little jealousies too to plague him for dangerfield with his fishing rod and basket no sooner looked in with his stern front and his remarkable smile than aunt becky seeming instantaneously to forget captain clough and all his winning ways and the pleasant story to the point of which he was just arriving in his best manner left him abruptly and walked up to the grim pescator del ondo with an outstretched hand and a smile of encouragement and immediately fell into confidential talk with him the minds of anglers says the gentle colonel robert venables be usually more calm and composed than many others when he hath the worst success he loseth but a hook or line or perhaps what he never possessed a fish and suppose he should take nothing yet he enjoyeth a delightful walk by pleasant rivers in sweet pastures among odiferous flowers which gratify his senses and delight his mind and if example which is the best proof may sway anything i know no sort of men less subject to melancholy than anglers it was only natural then that dangerfield should be serene and sunny 
aunt becky let him a little walk twice or thrice up and down she seemed grave earnest and lofty and he grinned and chattered after his wont energetically to stout captain clough's considerable uneasiness and mortification he had seen dangerfield the day before through his field-glass from the high wooded grounds in the park across the river walked slowly for a good while under the poplars in the meadow at belmont beside aunt becky in high chat and there was something particular and earnest in their manner which made him uncomfortable then and fat captain clough's gall rose and nearly choked him and he cursed dangerfield in the bottom of his corpulent greedy soul and wondered what fiend had sent that scheming old land agent three hundred miles out of his way on purpose to interfere with his little interests as if there were not plenty of of well rich old women in london and he bethought him of the price of the cockatoo and the probable cost of the pelican rejoinders to dangerfield's contributions to aunt becky's menagerie for those birds were not to be had for nothing and clough who loved money as well at least as any man in his majesty's service would have seen the two tribes as extinct as the dodo before he would have expended sixpence upon such tomfoolery had it not been for dangerfield's investments in animated nature the hound as if two could not play at that game but he had an uneasy and better presentiment that they were birds of paradise and fifty other cursed birds beside and that in this costly competition dangerfield could take a flight beyond and above him and he thought of the flagitious waste of money and cursed him for a fool again aunt becky had said he thought something in which to-morrow occurred on taking leave of dangerfield to-morrow what to-morrow she spoke low and confidently and seemed excited and a little flushed and very distraught when she came back altogether he felt as if aunt rebecca was slipping through his fingers and would have liked to take that selfish old puppy dangerfield by the neck and drown him out of hand in the river but notwithstanding the state of his temper he knew it might be his only chance to shine preeminently at that moment in amiability wit grace and gallantry and though it was uphill work he did labor uncommonly when mr dangerfield's spectacles gleamed through the crowd upon dr stirk who was thinking of other things beside the music the angler walked round forthwith and accosted that universal genius mrs stirk felt the doctor's arm on which he leaned vibrate for a second with a slight thrill an evidence in that hard fibrous limb of what she used to call a start and she heard dangerfield's voice over his shoulder and the surgeon and the grand vizier were soon deep in talk and stirk brightened up and looked eager and sagacious and important and became more voluble and impressive and leaving his lady to her own devices 
with her maid and children he got to the other side of the street where nutter with taciturn and black observation saw them busy pointing with cane and finger and talking briskly as they surveyed together dick fisher's and tom tresham's tenements and the salmon house and then beheld them ascend the steps of tresham's door and overlook the wall on the other side toward the river and point this way and that along the near bank as it seemed to nutter discussing detailed schemes of alteration and improvement stirk actually pulled out his pocket-book and pencil and then dangerfield took the pencil and made notes of what he read to him on the back of a letter and stirk looked eager and elated and dangerfield frowned and looked impressed and nodded again and again dear Ewitt, ada fisicat mutat quadrata rotundus under his very nose he unconsulted it was such an impertinence as nutter could ill digest it was a studied slight something like a public deposition and nutter's jealous soul seethed secretly in a hell-broth of rage and suspicion i mentioned that mistress stirk felt in that physician's arm the telegraphic thrill with which the brain will occasionally send an invisible message of alarm from the seat of government to the extremities and as this smallest of all small bits of gossip did innocently escape me the idle and good-natured reader will i hope let me say out my little say upon the matter in the next chapter End of chapter 26 Recording by John Brandon